You, you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Kyler Bingham and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. This has been a pretty cool week over here at Salt Lake Dirt. Uh, we are releasing three episodes this week. Yesterday we had author Jonathan Ames on the podcast. Um, he was talking about his latest book, A Man Named Doll. That was a really cool experience because Jonathan is definitely, um, has been for a long time, one of my favorite writers, someone I look up to. So that was very exciting to have him on. Tomorrow we have Ross Rigi, who is a director of photography. His most recent show, Rutherford Falls, comes out on Peacock on April 22nd. Um, he, he has a pretty pretty amazing career. Uh, we do talk about that, some of the work he's done in the past, some of the documentary work. Um, he's also the director of photography for many of the episodes of um, The Walking Dead, World Beyond. Um, so you've seen his work. It's, it's, it's all over the place. Uh, today, we also have a really uh, incredible guest. He's also a director of photography, Jason Crothers. Um, his latest show is Cruel Summer, and that, that was it's released this week um, on Freeform, and then the next day, you can, you can stream the episode on Hulu. Uh, v- very cool show. It takes place in the 90s, um, kind of a, um, a thriller type. Uh, so it was um, an official selection of, at this year's South by Southwest. And it was a really fascinating chat talking with Jason just of, you know, shooting shooting in the winter when it's supposed to be the summer in Texas, um, just the different approaches he took and how they, they shoot over a different, um, the show takes place over three different years and very specific um, looks to each of those years. So without further ado, let's talk to Jason Crothers, um, director of photography for Cruel Summer. <laughs> Yeah, I always love um, talking to cinematog- cinematographers because uh, I went to, uh, out of high school, I went to school for still photography, and I'm thinking we're probably about the same age. I'm 40. and uh, I just turned 42. So okay, yeah. so we're pretty, we're, we're peers, and yeah. um, I did, um, I went to school, college for uh, photography, but it was like right at the cusp as digital was starting to come. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our professors would not allow digital uh, just because we honestly, nothing was affordable at that time. Stuff was out there, but you couldn't afford it. And they hadn't updated all the yeah. stuff. So we, lo- we learned, you know, um, all the, you know, medium format, large format uh, film cameras, which was pretty incredible just to have you slow down um, and really, really learn it. Um, so I have definitely a love for um, photography and cinematography. Some, something that I think is unfortunately sorely uh, uh, a skill set and a foundation education i think is unfortunately sorely missing in a lot of film schools these days where very few schools are teaching anything film related so uh oh that's interesting yeah i didn't yeah. i was yeah i, I kind of wanted to talk to you about that and just how you got your start um yeah. looking over your filmography and you i mean you've been working consistently for for a while now so i've, I'm I've, really stayed, I've tried do. staying busy yeah, i don't that's i don't great. do well with idle hands so. <laughs> um yeah so how did you how did you get your start i'm just curious where you're from um, originally and um, drew you to this profession. Yeah, I um, so I got my start in Arizona. You know, I um, my family, my, my father was in the military, so we moved around a lot as a kid. So I went through a lot of different schools. Um, I originally got in, uh, in high school, I got into theater. So I originally was going to go to 
college to study theater specifically, like lighting and technical thing, or technical field for lighting design. Um, kind of on a whim, um, after I graduated from high school, I went and took, uh, I went and sat in on, uh, like audited a film class at a local community college, uh, Scott, so community college. Um, and based on that one class and afterwards I went and pestered the, uh, the instructor and basically came home and told my mom and was like, look, I don't want to go to college. I want to turn down all these colleges I've been accepted to and I go study filmmaking. Um, uh, and I think after she, you know, she took a long sip of her coffee and was like, okay, okay. I don't know what, I don't know what that means, but if that's going to make you happy. Uh, so thankfully I had really supportive parents and, um, yeah, I went and started studying film. I knew I'd always been interested in film. Um, you know, I've told the story a lot in the past, but you know, uh, uh, I grew up, one of the main places I grew up, I lived in Alaska for a long time as a kid. And my dad has a part-time job, ran a, uh, 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 was a projectionist in a movie theater there, but it was, you know, it was like in, up in Anchorage. So we would get prints, as I understand now as an adult, like they would get prints like six months after everybody else would. So they've been running <laughs> the grinder. So it's like these prints that were all beat up and held together with tape and scratched and looked and sounded like shit. Um, and he would take me to work sometimes and I'd sit up in the booth with the speakers in the booth were broken. So I remember like the very first movie I can ever, ever, ever remember seeing um, and I must have seen that movie 50 times as a kid without any sound. So it wasn't which, actually until I got to high school. Which was movie at a was high it? school you, party you... that I saw Gremlins. And I was like, holy oh, shit, it sounds Gremlins. <laughs> it just cut out right when you said the film. Um, yeah, I saw that movie like, yeah, yeah, like I saw it like 50 times as a kid. But it was school. I was at a party and it was on TV. And I was like, holy shit, this movie has sound. <laughs> like these people have voices. I've seen this movie. I, I used to know that movie edit by edit. But I never, it wasn't until I was like 17 that I saw it with any actual audio. Um, but yeah, so I always loved movies and I started studying film at Scottsdale Community College now, um, has a very solid two-year film program. Um, at the time I was going, um, you know, it was very like kind of mishmash, you know, first day of class. It's like, here's a super eight camera, take two of your classmates, go outside and make a, make a three minute short film. So it was very, very loose. Whereas now it's a real structured program. Um, but I remember, uh, I kind of fell in love with cinematography. It was just one of those things like, you know, picked up a light meter and lit something and a week later saw it projected. And I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. So I, it sounds kind of hokey, but I'm, I think I'm one of those very fortunate people that figured out what like his thing was that he really loved to do when I was 18. Uh, and I've kind of only done that most of my life. Um, yeah. And after uh, that was Community College, after that, I went to Columbia College, got my bachelor's degree. Um, I kicked around for a while, um, ended up in Los Angeles, attended the American Film Institute, got my master's degree, a lot of college. Um, and then right after I graduated from AFI, I kind of fell into shooting a lot of no budget and then super low budget and then slightly less low budget features. Um, and I did that basically from uh, 2005 when I graduated from AFI up to about 2013. I think I did like 20 two or 23 indie features in that like eight year period. Um, and then moved into, uh, got an opportunity to move into television. So I moved into television, starting with second year on Chicago fire, which led to me taking over the show for three seasons. Um, left that a few years ago, uh, found my way back into features, um, not by design, but kind of just by happenstance. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, pandemic hit. And recently, uh, found myself back in television. So, 
Uh, I've been very fortunate. I kind of bounce back. I've been bouncing back and forth quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fascinating career. I have a, I have a good friend who's a he's a prop master, and just like the just the little the trajectory of his career, it's kind of just like job by job, and you know, definitely not for everybody. But I think it's so amazing, like the opportunities that pop up when when you are consistently working, and it, you you know. I'd imagine it's never boring. You're always kind of like throwing something uh, quite different and you, and you got to like, you know, just react quickly in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you know, I get bored very easily um, in general. So <laughs> I think one of the things I love, not just about my job in particular, but just this field in general is yeah, every day is it's not, you know, it's not going into an office and mm-hmm. you know, like oh, I'm going to sit at my cubicle and I'm going to do the same thing over and over again. Like every day, you know, even if you're doing a TV show, we are on, on the same stages, you know, for dozens of times, hundreds of times. Um, there's always something new, although it may start, you know, some things like that start to become a little bit like, oh, we're back in this office set. We're back in this bedroom set with mm-hmm. the same characters. And it's a day scene, like, even if it's the same circumstances, um, there's always something different some new challenge to work out, whether it's, you know, a, a new angle a director wants to shoot or a new way they want to block a scene or, you know, Maybe you're like, oh, we've always done it this way, except now we have to shoot the scene in 35 minutes. So mm-hmm. now to find a way to do it really fast. Like there's always a new challenge. There's never a day that's, I think if you're, if, if you're ever bored on set, it's because you're paying attention. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful. It's, it's never, it's never boring. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's talk a bit about the new show. So Cruel Summer is um, what's coming out um april 20th i believe that's coming out very yes. soon um and i was i had a chance to watch uh, the first two episodes i really enjoyed it and um cool. I, it was such a cool concept and i think like um enough not to give any spoilers but it is uh, it takes place in 1993 94 95 and it hops around um uh, you know between those two years follow follows these teenagers um one girl goes missing presumed dead um but what i thought was so cool just watching it from a a visual standpoint is um the the subtle uh, and maybe sometimes not so subtle but in a beautiful way the differences in each year and kind of the emotion that you um really showed um as you know the character the characters went through huge life changes um, in just really a couple year period. But um, I'm just curious how your approach was to shooting those three years. Um, Cause they definitely have a different feel um, and it really like complements the, the arc of the story. Um, yeah. It's really, really awesome. Well, thank you very much. Um, yeah. It was interesting when I, when I, uh, um, when I came on board, uh, you know, a big, that was one of the biggest questions uh, from the very beginning was, you know, we've got, um, we have three different periods um, and, you know, the show follows a lot of different characters, there's a lot of different characters, uh, three different time periods, you know, from very early on, just reading, starting to read the scripts, we're like, right, we're not, we're not going to add a Chiron every, you know, every time you jump to a new year, we're not going to add a Chiron going now you're 93 94, 95 like we need and editorially the scripts both in just in the script writing process but also editorially you do a, there's a lot of cross cutting back and forth you'll jump from one year to another to another and you'll bounce around sometimes seemingly within even the same scene mm-hmm. um 
again, not with that, without giving any spoilers, you know, there's, there's one scene, particularly on the season where there's, uh, there's a, a character's giving a speech and it's, <clears throat> it's written to be one continuous speech, but it's, uh, uh, basically bouncing between three different years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so one of the visual challenges that was the most, one of the most exciting parts for me about coming aboard the show was how do we, how do we create three different languages that, are distinct enough that the audience is never confused about where they are mm. uh, time-wise, but aren't so over-the-top stylistically that uh, they start drawing your attention to themselves. Right. Um, you know, I think, I'd like to think, you know, I'd like to think that I don't have any uh, particular style. Um, I certainly have tastes. Um, I think my tastes in general tend to run towards more like subtle or subdued work. Um, so although, you know, there was a brief discussion about doing something very stylized for three years, uh, myself and everybody else, you know, the showrunner and producers kind of agree that we wanted something that was a little more subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did in testing, you know, I, I had some broad stroke ideas. Um, and, you know, also, you know, I, I was the lead DP. I shot uh, five of the 10 episodes. Um uh, Alan Westbrook was the uh, alternating DP who did four uh, did four episodes. Um, you know, and speaking with Alan and and everybody else involved in production, we had some broad stroke ideas. We did some testing um, prior to shooting. Took those tests uh, to uh, post production. Did some more manipulation of the work, and basically came up with three general like lookup tables: um, nineteen, you know, nineteen eighty three, nineteen four, ninety five. So those three lookup tables kind of became the, the groundwork for, you know, when we're shooting, you know, each one has a different, you know, slightly different color, different uh, approach to how we handle, you know, the, uh, the black levels, you know, one year, the black levels are a little bit lifted. Another year, they're very much, they're very uh, much more contrasty, uh, played with uh, colors and saturation. And then a lot of it also came with on set. We also had visual rules for each year in terms of how we'd use a camera, you know, one year uh, we'd have, you know, we'd, make use of a lot of Steadicam, handheld, uh, more fluid movement. Another year, uh, you know, our rules were no handheld this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, much more, you know, camera moves would only be on dollies. And then we'd have another year, we're like, okay, this year, almost no camera movement. And if we have any movement, it almost feels like robotics. Like we had all these broad rules that <clears throat> early on in the show, we were really stringent about. <clears throat> but um, as the season went on, learning like oh there, there are ways that we could actually start to take rules from one year and bleed them into another year um as the stories you know, as the story starts to expand and then also storylines start to over you know cross over with each other um and then also just a lot of it had to do with the lighting too and there were things that you know the way we lit certain years would be you know this year might be how we might use more fill uh, another year we might use you know, we might use a lot more negative fill um, it wasn't any one thing. It was uh, kind of a culmination of a lot of things. And also, I'd say, I think you know, I think the show consistently looks the same. You know, it has a, a the same visual look throughout. Mm. I definitely think as the show went along, I think after, especially after the first two or three episodes, we also started to learn more like what the show wanted to be. I think every time you start a movie or TV show, you're coming with ideas. You start with certain approaches. It sounds a little, I don't know, it sounds a little strange, but I think uh, movies or TV, any project you're working on, if you pay attention, it kind of starts to talk to you and say, you know, you start to go, look, this was an idea that we had prep. It's an idea that we all rate. It's an idea we're all, we're all really committed to. But being on set, seeing the performance, seeing how things are working, 
it just doesn't quite seem like that's what the show wants to be. It seems like it really wants to be this now. And I've just learned over the years, you kind of listen to what the work wants to be and you kind of go along. So I definitely think there are things in the first, the first couple episodes that are still there throughout the show, but I think we definitely did, you know, some things kind of took a backseat and other things took a uh, more of a front seat as we kind of developed and grew the look as we went along. Now, you know, one of the things I'd also say is it, it was a real treat uh, and I had a lot of gratitude for being able to work with um, Alan, you know, as another DP. Um, Cause that's something that, you know, you don't, you know, when you're doing features, you're, there's one DP, like you don't, right. you don't have like a counterpart, you know, it's like the, 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 you know, the key grip, um, you know, has other grips to be working with and learning from mm-hmm. uh, the ACs have other ACs. Like as a DP, there's, you're the only the DP on set being on a show with rotating DPs. You have the opportunity, you know, we will, Alan and I would watch each other's dailies and, you know, talk to each other and go like, Oh, when you did this scene, that looked great. What did you do? You know, or like, Hey, I shot in this location. I got really, it, something just didn't work, you know, and we can talk about it and go like, Oh, well I was in there. This, these are the problems I ran into. So we could also, help inspire and kind of push each other's work. We could also kind of get ahead of things and go, look, I know next episode, you've got a bunch of scenes in this location. I could just finish shooting there. These are the things where, these are things where I got caught up. So FYI, like be mm-hmm. aware of them. Um, so we were also kind of, it was nice to be able to develop the look of the show, not just with myself and my crew and the producers, but with, you know, another DP and be able to bounce ideas back and forth. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, um, and I'm, I'm excited to, to watch, you know, cause like I said, I just saw the two first episodes. So I'm excited to see how this progresses um, story-wise, of course, but visually um, I, I'm, you know, I love seeing how, you know, and, and trying to like, imagine how is this shot exactly. Uh, so it is, it is really cool. And like what you said, it, um, it, it, it is so seamless when it, it shifts from year to year, but it's not like, it's not on the nose, like in your face where it's like, Hey, it's this year. Now you have to like, you have to be paying attention and it's, you know, you quickly like pick up that it's, it's shifted, but um, it, it gives a, it gives a viewer some credit that they can, um, you know, not pull them <clears throat> totally out of the story, but it's, it's definitely there. And like, even if you were not consciously aware of it, you're, you feel it, you know? So oh, that's- it's very cool. That's thank you. For, I'm I'm really glad to hear that. That was um, yeah, that was something for every episode. Was every time we knew we had to make a transition between years, there was a lot of discussion about not just lighting, but also like editorially, like this shot will cut to this shot. And how will mm-hmm. that edit? How will that transition work? Not you know, sometimes it's like, well, do we do interesting shots to make to bridge that gap, or do we, you know, this the shot from one year, you know, this year has to end on this shot because the, to get us into the next year is this shot, and that'll be the transition. So there's a lot of time spent on that, and there's a lot there's a lot of time spent on, you know, there was a lot of discussion about is this too subtle? Right. Like, is the audience going to get confused? And then there was, you know, well, we could do this approach, but that feels really heavy handed. So there was especially. Um, especially with you know, episode two, which is the first full episode I shot. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of conversation about finding that balance of, you know, look, yeah. If the, yeah, if somebody's on their phone, when they, they look up from their phone, they might, they're going to be lost. So, right. but if you're invested in showing, you're paying attention, it's, it's subtle enough not to slap you, you know, slightly across the face with it, but distinct enough, uh, that you're like, oh, we're somewhere different. We're in a different time period. And you can tell that immediately without having to rely on 
you know, not having to rely on something else on the screen telling you you're a different year. Right. No, that's, I definitely, that's the, that's, that's what great. I got out of I'm it. Happy so that, to hear that. Yeah, no, that's cool. Hearing an outside perspective. Oh, I'm hey, sure. look, we did our job. Great. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was cool. Like I was like, oh man, I only have two episodes. I was really like, you know, I watch a lot of screeners and this was one that I, um, I just, I just got into it. Right. I just watched them, you know, back to back. Oh, that's great. Uh, one night. So I was like, I want more, but it's good. It's good to not binge everything sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. I'll say it's interesting because they, you know, the pilot was um, the first episode, which was the pilot uh, was shot by another cinematographer. And then, you know, when the show went to series, um, it's interesting. I mean, this happens all the time. You know, there were some, there's some changes made. So they had to do some reshoots and some additional photography. And we did that while we were also shooting like the first episode of the, you know, the first full episode of the actual series, which is the mm-hmm. second episode. Um, so it was really, in addition to everything, it was really interesting for me to be shooting, be shooting scenes from the pilot, um, trying to match another cinematographer's work. Mm. Um, uh, and at the same time, you know, be shooting scenes from what was going to be the series that use the pilot as a ground, you know, as kind of the, the foundation for what we did and it built upon it. Right. Um, so it was a, the first episode, the first, you know, the first episode or so was really interesting for me to go like, all right, I'm trying to very much match somebody else's work with a certain kind of, with certain visual parameters. And then, you know, two hours later, go, okay, now we're shooting a scene from episode 102, which is the same, the same world, but, you know, with different visual parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, it also it had the, uh, 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 the cinematographer for the pilot, Damian, did, I mean, beautiful work. I mean, when I saw the pilot before I came on board, you know, before I interviewed for the show, I saw the pilot. It's like, this is beautiful. I want to go go. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, that's got to be that's got to be a great feeling to be part of something that you're like, I'm behind this, you know, um, because I, I know a lot of times sometimes people aren't as fortunate to be on a project that they can get excited um, about. They're just kind of like, okay, let me get through this, this particular job and I can hopefully move on to something um, later that I enjoy. I know that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's the nature of the beast. You know, you, you know, to a certain extent, you know, I'm I'm fortunate now that where I'm at in my career, I can afford to be choosier. Uh I don't get to, I'm not at a place where I can just, you know, where I can turn down everything and just hold out and wait for the perfect project. But I, you know, early in my career, um, as evident by some of the things I shot, you know, you're just like trying, you know, when you're starting off, you're just going to shoot, you're going to take anything and everything that's offered to you. Mm-hmm. You want to gain that experience. You want to meet those people. You want to, you have to pay your rent. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I'm getting a bit older uh, and I'm you know, getting more experience in a bigger resume, I can afford to start be a little choosier. And it's really nice because, yeah, I mean, I've certainly done a lot of projects where you're like, all right. I'm here and I'm gonna do the best work possible and I'm, I am invested and I'm mm-hmm. bringing my A game. I'm doing everything I can. Um, you know, sometimes you do that because you really believe in the project and it just doesn't turn out. Right. Uh, um, sometimes you are on something. You're like, look, I'm a professional and I care. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring the best work and the my maximum effort every day. But in the back of your mind, you're like, look, I know this is not gonna be very good. Like we just, we know this is everybody knows. Well, almost everybody seems to know. Right this is objectively just not good. So <laughs> that's can be very disheartening because you're sure. working, you know, you're coming to set every day and 
bringing, you know, you're bringing all the investment and all the energy and all the talent you can to something, knowing it's not very good. Mm. Um, something like Cruel Summer that I'm really grateful for is from the get go, you're like, I, if anything, I was really nervous in the beginning because I was like, this feels like it could be really, it could be really good and really special mm-hmm. and i felt very protective of like i don't want to mess this up yeah <laughs> um so it wasn't until i think to the end of the season when we started seeing cuts of the episodes and started going okay because the first you're kind of in a bubble you, know, you shoot the first you know you start shooting and you don't see a cut of anything you've done until you're you know on your second or third episode so it wasn't until we got into like episode four that i saw you know a cut from episode two and i was like oh, this is actually, okay, this is working. This Okay, we're not screwing this up. This is really good. And then you just start getting more inspired. Um, yeah, it's not, it's a rare, it's, it's, it's not often you get to work on something that you really care about, is really good. And is also just with an awesome group of people. I mean, if anything, that was actually kind of maybe the best part. It's like just a great group of really smart, talented, supportive people. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a rare thing. And, it, and I, Every day, you know, no matter what happened on the set, no matter what was going on, I was like, I'm really grateful because I know this is a rare thing. It doesn't happen very often. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm curious where, so I, where was production? Where did it take place? Were you, were you outside of Los Angeles? Very much. We shot, uh, okay. we shot down in Dallas. Okay. I thought, I figured it was in Texas because it does, it's a small town in Texas. So I, I didn't know if you guys actually went to on location there. Um, okay. Well, I also like, I've been talking a lot of, to uh, filmmakers and writers and just, uh, mm-hmm. you know, pan with the last year, what we've dealt with. Um, so a lot of their work has, it was just, they'd finished it or was on the tail end or as the pandemic um, came out. So when was it, what did you guys work on this and did the pandemic um, I'm sure it impacted somehow. So I'm just curious um, when it went, when it was done and, and how long production you were down there in Texas. Yeah. For- we shot from, um, I think I'm allowed to talk about this. Uh, uh, we shot from uh, October of last year of 2020 uh, up until uh, March of, uh, of this year, 2021. Oh wow! So we were shooting. We were shooting in the midst of you know of all the COVID stuff. So uh-huh. um, you know, and again, it was it was interesting because um, you know, obviously, before you start shooting, you're, you're nervous. You're like, all right, we're still in the middle of this COVID pandemic. Um, but I mean, I have to say, I have to say, uh, I, have to say I, it, no, I, I felt really, I should say for being on set than I did yeah. when I was, you know, after hours when I was at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, there were really strict COVID protocols that everybody adhered to, um, you know, multiple, you know, getting tested multiple times a week. Everybody's wearing, you know, a mask. Like there were so many, before we started sh- shooting there was so much emphasis put on safety by everybody from the studio to producers to production to just you know physically on the ground every day there was so much everybody was so cognizant of keeping themselves and keeping everybody around them safe Mm -hmm. um that yeah like i i felt safer being at work you know surrounded by you know surrounded by 60 70 and some odd people on set i felt safer being at work than I did, you know, when I left set is when I got worried about yeah. COVID. So I was I've like, heard, oh, yeah, the, I got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't that's... know. Uh, yeah. I don't know where anybody, you know, people aren't wearing masks. People are bumping into you. Whereas at work, you're like, oh, work is the one place I, 
actually don't worry about felt because there was so much emphasis put on yeah. creating a safe environment for everybody, not just the cast, but like the cast, the crew, like there was such an emphasis and so much work and infrastructure put into creating uh, uh, really safe COVID protocols for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, again, very grateful to, uh, I was very grateful to be, frankly, at the time, Los Angeles, since so many, you know, was having so many lockdowns, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to go to Texas yeah. and be on this production where there's so much emphasis on, on safety. I'm, I know I'll be safe. You know, I wake yeah. up in the morning and go to work home. I try to, I don't go out. So yeah, I, at no point did I ever feel unsafe on the production. Yeah, no, that's great. That's what I, I've consistently heard that from people working on shows during this. It's been, um, when I talked to the, Ross, the the guy who did Rutherford Falls, he said the exact same thing that you just, just did. He's like, I felt safer on set. Um, cause I, I believe they shot in Virginia. Uh, he's like, it felt safer on set. Um, and then it's like, then you go out and you go to the grocery store and it's like, you're more, yeah, that's when you feel more nervous. Cause on set, you're like, on set, you're like, you know, you're like, look, like you're saying extra crew member, you're like, look, you know, you're wearing a mask, you're wearing a face shield. <clears throat> um, I know that, you know, you get tested, you know, multiple times a week, just mm-hmm. like me, like, you know, you know that the person you're standing next to um, also that person's going like, Oh, I don't want to be the person that gets anybody sick. So you know, that they're being smart, you know, you know, that they're being smart when they leave work. So on set, you're like, well, I, I, I spend all my time with these people. I know the, I know where they've been. I know who they've been around. I know they're being tested. I know they're wearing a mask. I know they're being smart on a Saturday. I'm like, oh, man, I gotta go to the grocery store. You know, you're, you're in the parking lot, like, you know, psyching yourself up. You're like, all right, well, I've seen 12 people go in and only seven of them wearing masks. You know, <laughs> yeah. so you, you know, you run in there, you're like, I want to get out. And you're like, Oh, there's too many people. Screw it. I'll go to a different grocery yeah. store. You know, like, yeah, it was, it was being offset when I felt uncomfortable and nervous. Yeah, yeah. Onset was the only time that I was like, I didn't worry about COVID. No, that's great. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that pretty consistently from other people. So that's Hollywood's doing it right. <laughs> that's yeah. Great. And, and look, that's a, you know, like I've heard a lot of stories from a lot of production. So I think, again, this is a real testament, I think, to uh, just uh, the culture of our show you know, from the studio and the producers. I mean, just across the board, safety was such a big thing. So that's, mm. you know, I'd like most, I, you know, I always want to believe in the best in people especially oh, the producers and the production and the studio, like everybody really cares about uh, a safe work environment for everybody. Um, so that also, you know, I think that pays off the dividends too, because when a company cares about the employees like that, uh, everybody in the crew that's on set, it's like, okay, well, there's been so much emphasis and attention put on safety on, on from the studio that we also want, you know, suddenly you feel like a certain kind of responsibility. You're like, wow, every, mm-hmm. there's so much work and emphasis and money being spent on keeping people safe. Well, I don't want to be the one to drop the ball. So everyone becomes, I think everyone becomes super diligent about right. trying to maintain that as well. So just, I mean, it creates some, it really sounds really hokey, but it really does. I felt like on this show, there, there really was a sense of community where it wasn't just like, you know, here are the crew, here's the crew, here's the cast, let's get the job done. There really was a sense of community of like, okay, we're all, we're all doing this show that we all believe is going to be special mm-hmm. and we're all doing it you know, under bizarre circumstances of working in, you know, COVID um, and making a show that's set in the summer and shooting it in the winter. Mm. Um, you know, there's a just, there was a real sense of community from everybody. Yeah. No, I don't think that's hokey at all. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's, that's, that's really, that's really cool. Again, um, special. It doesn't happen very often. So yeah. I, like, no, every that's what day I, I was like, I was like, and 
every day of it and just keep remembering to keep enjoying this because you know you know yeah. it's not like this all the time yeah um i am curious and this is partial ignorance but um with tech with the tech technology side of things but mm-hmm. um when you shoot in different regions like you're shooting in texas um it's uh like does the i guess i mean you're shooting in the in the winter but how um does that impact like y- your your job as a cinematographer like the, the kind of the nuts and bolts i mean I, I guess i was thinking i did i was wasn't sure if you had shot it in the in the summer so i was thinking about the humidity down there yeah so um the there there's a uh, a technical and then there's a, a practical thing that, that we ran into down there um practically you know we're shooting in like i said <laughs> we shot from from october to march um a, a practical Issue into um, with the trees, and this was a, a constant thing. We were like, All right, so this, this the story takes place during the summer of these three years, but in the fall and winter, so there'd be a lot of you know, anytime you'd be you know, we'd shoot in a park, you know, you'd have crew members, you know, basically all you know, the greens department, all they'd be doing is whenever we'd set up a shot, they'd run in and try to rake all the leaves out of the shot, you know, you know mm-hmm. or you'd find locations that go, this looks great. All the trees are dead. This is supposed to be, you know, this is supposed to be, this is supposed to be, you know, June or July. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're shooting in December. So the trees are all dead. So that had an impact practically on, you know, locations we looked at, how we shot locations, you know, it's like, oh, this is great. All those trees are dead. Well, can we find a different angle or can we do, can we find a way to, to avoid or minimize the fact that, uh, there are that just everything clearly was winter and fall. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the, on the, the camera technical side, practically I mean, for the crew, it's fine. You know, it's like, if it's, you know, if you're shooting December and you're doing, you know, night exteriors, you know, it might be, you know, it's going to be 30 degrees, 35 degrees mm-hmm. for the crew. It's easy. I can throw on a sweater and a coat and okay. For the cast, unfortunately, <laughs> you know, it's like it's supposed to be like, oh, this is a hot summer night. Yeah. You know, they're you know, they're walking down the street on a hot summer night, so they're wearing you know shorts mm-hmm. and a tank top because it's supposed to be a hot summer night. So yeah. you know, it's thirty five degrees. That definitely had an impact on you know more for the actors for the perform. Also, you know, for a crew, you're going all right. You know, we have we have to be really careful about you know. You're like, all right, it's too cold to shoot tonight. You know, mm-hmm. other nights you're like, all right, it's cold, but we can shoot it. But you know, suddenly you're going like, all right, you know, we have to be. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of added pressure, I think, for the crew to go. You know, look, this cast member has to do this performance, and they have to feel like they're relaxed. In reality, like they're freezing because it's 35 degrees out, right, and they're wearing right. a tank top and shorts. You know, so as a crew, you suddenly go like, we really kind of have to have our act together because. Yeah. You know, we don't want to have to, you know, you never want to have a, an actor having to do multiple takes, but mm-hmm. especially circumstances like that, there's, uh, I think, an extra amount of diligence and preparation for the crew uh, to really try to nail it, to minimize, you know, the, the exposure the actors have. You know, there's practical things, too, about, you know, if it's too cold, they start talking, you're like, oh, there's breath coming out of their mouth. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's visible. Yeah. You know, so then there's tricks, you know, sometimes... Sometimes that's, you know, before we roll, like, you know, put ice chips in your mouth. You know, of course, for the cast, they're like, it's 35 degrees and you won't be sucking on ice. Like, really? Um, but again, you know, fortunately, our whole cast were really, everybody in the cast was really cool and, real, and really game for everything. 
you know, sometimes there's a little visual effects touch up to like, right, some breath, you know, this person's talking, you know, it's, it's, we're shooting, you know, we're shooting somewhere where it's, you know, we had to start shooting early in the morning and it's 25 degrees out, you know, so you can see their breath. So there's, you know, visual effects and kind of come in and help touch some of that stuff up. So I would say there were some visuals, um, but I'd say the biggest challenge was just, you know, shooting, anytime you're shooting in the cold, you know, mm-hmm. it just, it's, it, it saps the energy out of the crew, but it's mm-hmm. especially hard on the cast when you're doing, you know, when I say cast, I mean, I don't just mean the main cast. I also mean like all the background, mm-hmm. you know, if we're doing scenes with, you know, with background extras, you know, even though because of COVID, we didn't have a ton of background, but any background we've got, you're like, Oh, by the way, uh, I know it's, you know, 40 degrees out, but we need to walk around pretending like it's 80 degrees out, you know? So like though there are considerations that come up for yeah. just the comfort of people too. Yeah. It was, it definitely brought its own challenges. But again, I think part of those challenges also because everybody really believed in the show is one of those, like, as opposed to challenge where people complain about it, I think it mm-hmm. became a challenge where everybody kind of kind of rallied around it to go like, all right, this is uh, this is a challenge that we're all going to kind of get in, get on board together to tackle. Yeah, they ever did it. They did a hell of a job. Could have fooled me. Um, it definitely looks <laughs> like the summer. Yeah. So <laughs> thank me. Yeah, we then everybody did their job really well. Then I, I I'm very proud of the fact that. I think if you are, if you really scrutinize the show, there's a couple of times you're like, wait a second, this tree's like a little bear in the background. Yeah. So you get really, you know, I, I was fond of saying there were times I was like, all right, you have to take into consideration. There were other times where, you know, a director might go, well, I'm a little worried about the tree being bare in the background. I'm like, mm-hmm. look, you've got, you've got this character, you know, this, this amazing speech they're doing and they're sobbing and they're doing this amazing performance. If somebody's paying attention to the, you know, <laughs> the slightly bare, or tree that's out of focus you know 100 yards away then we have we have failed in other ways you know <laughs> so there's also definitely some things we kind of i think that's just in any show in general i think there's you, know, you want to be discerning about everything but you also want to be practical and go look there are certain things that um i definitely struggle sometimes with uh, there are things that i pay attention to that i notice that mm-hmm. i have to remind myself i'm like look it's my job to be super discerning and to be critical of things mm-hmm. but i have to catch myself sometimes and go look, no one other than me and, you know, some other DPs are going to notice that because mm-hmm. they're, people are going to get wrapped up in the performance. And I would rather, I'd rather, I'd rather spend less time lighting or less time fixing the thing other me, uh, if it's going to give more time with the directors and the actors, because at the end of the day, that's really what people are going to mostly focus on as right. rightly they should. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, that that's great. Um, I, Hey, I was curious. You had, um, I was just reading uh, up on something. So you, you you took part, like you edited a book called A Shot in the Dark, or you contributed, or or um, yeah, I was the, uh, the technical editor for it. Yeah, okay, yeah. So that was um, uh, a very old. Uh, I shouldn't say old. He's not old. Uh, he won't appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> an old dear friend of mine, Jay Holb, um, who I've known for more than half my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that both of us sound old. Um, uh jay is a really accomplished filmmaker um he's an amazing writer he's an educator like jay's jay's kind of one of those renaissance men uh renaissance men who you know kind of seems like he does everything and does it exceptionally well um he's written uh, i think he's written two books a shot in the dark was his first book he's written hundreds of articles for you know every kind of publication but it was his first book um i think he's written two so far he actually has a, a third one um, that's hopefully coming out soon uh, about optics that I've I've helped 
uh, I've given a little bit of feedback on uh, very minute because it's you know this uh, page but he, um, uh, yeah a shot in the dark was kind of the culmination of a lot of articles that he'd written over the years about uh, digital cinematography and you know essentially essentially it was kind of a how-to for uh, for filmmakers who didn't have a lot of money to be able to afford to to rent um, you know the quote-unquote correct lighting tools mm-hmm. um so it was kind of a culmination of talking about it was, the book is a combination of talking about uh lighting for digital cinematography um in theory and practically and then also kind of a, a step-by-step guidebook on how to essentially build some of your own lights um to kind of help you have help people have uh more advanced tools uh on with very little money um I've known Jay for a very long time, and as he was writing it, you know, he he asked me if I would if I could come on board and help be the technical editor, which mm-hmm. um, mainly consists of reading everything Jay wrote, uh, and then basically going back to him, kind of like line by line, saying, um, you know, these are questions. You know, if I don't, these are things that I think could be made more clear. These are things that we should expand upon. Uh, these are things that you should, you know, explain maybe differently. Uh, and basically going through line by line and going like, how do we just make it, how do we make, check it for uh, technical accuracy, which, you know, Jay is so smart. I, there's very little of that. Mostly it was uh, going through with Jay and going, let's, you and I know this front and back, but let's assume, you know, tackle it from a place that, you know, if somebody doesn't have the experience that we have, um, how do we, how do we explain this in a way that's more clear to people? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really well received. I found out recently that apparently it's, I, I found this out just a few months ago. Apparently, you know, it's it, the company that, uh, released it, uh, closed. So the book is out of publication. Um, and I found out a couple months ago, apparently copies are going online for like hundreds of dollars. Oh, wow. that's great. So I was like, I've got two copies here. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> I inadvertently, I was like, man, I've got, apparently I've got like $800 worth of books on my, uh, my shelf because these books uh, are out of print now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but it was great. It was also, you know, again, Jay's a very old friend and he's so smart. So it's, you know, anytime you yeah. get to work with uh, your friends who are really smart, cool people, it's always a treat. No, that that's great. Um, having having um, like a kid reading something like that, he wants to get into it. Because like you said, uh, you, you typically, if you're you're a DP, you kind of you're kind of on your own so it's like a, a lot of it it sounds like you're you're building experience by shooting you know independent shorts and then independent fe- features and um work working your way up what what advice if you if you had to talk to a kid like an 18 year old kid who was interested in um you know pursuing this like it, it could probably seem a bit overwhelming um i would imagine because it, you know anything in show business there's no like definitive like Oh, you go here. Do you do this, and then you have a job? Um, yeah, ev- everyone's, path that <laughs> everyone's path Man, is different. Everyone's path is so be, different. That'd be great if it was that easy, right? <laughs> so um, boring, though. But you know, every- yeah, it'd be great to stand in line and be like, "Is this the line I stand in to be successful in Hollywood?" Okay, great. I'll take my number and I'll wait. <laughs> I'll that'd be great. I'll wait it out. Yeah, yeah. But what would you tell a, right, a, a young a person? <laughs> um, that's a really good question. You know. Uh, for the longest time, I, I kind of gave the same advice that somebody gave to me a long time ago, which, which is kind of pessimistic, but there's a, a kernel of truth, I think, which is basically, if you can see yourself doing anything and being happy, go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the advice I used to give. That was advice that was given to me. 
Um, I didn't realize really what that advice meant until years later when I, I was like, oh, I've been really struggling and <clears throat> I've been working away at this and it just doesn't feel like I'm making any headway. You know, should I give up? And I realized it was like, oh, this is that advice, you know, you know, this is the advice that I got eight, nine years earlier of, oh yeah, things are going to get hard. So, you know, if you, when it gets hard, if there's something else that you enjoy doing, you will go back to do that. And for mm -hmm. me, I was like, oh, this is the thing I want to do. I don't really, it's not that I was like, oh, I don't have any other options. I was like, this is the thing I want to do. So there isn't another option for me. Right. Um, nowadays, I mean, practically I'd say this, I, I, when I started, like I didn't have any connections or contacts at all. Um, you know, I got my start right before, kind of right before, you know, the, I mean, I got my start before you know, even HD was really a thing, you know, before the, the, the new Star Wars films kind of introduced, you know, HD as a, a viable filmmaking tool. Um, so I got my start, you know, before digital, um, before there were, you know, hundreds and thousands of websites online that could, you know, offer you all these tools before you had, you know, home, you know, uh, uh, resolve, you know, a, a home color grading setup for a thousand dollars, like mm -hmm. all these amazing, powerful tools and all these resources for knowledge, information and education weren't available to me. And I had no context and somehow, you know, and I'm, you know, I think I'm good at what I do, but it, I don't necessarily, I, I would, my wife might argue this, but uh, I would argue that it's not from <clears throat> a, a natural talent. Like I have some photographers who are friends that I think are just brilliant artists. Mm -hmm. um, I think my talent has come from whatever talent I might have uh, has come purely from a lot of hard work, mm -hmm. just a lot of hard work. Um, I kind of look at people and go, look, with all that said, I have managed to carve out a career um, if I'm able to do it, by God, anybody should be able to do this, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it takes a lot of work. Um, you know, I look at people and go, look, if you, if you want to go buy a camera and read some books, you know, and go shoot a bunch of short films, um, and then you expect to suddenly start getting hired and, <laughs> you know, shooting movies and shooting commercial campaign and fishing TV series, you're probably going to be very disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I shot my first feature when I was 20. Um, it was a terrible movie, uh, but I learned a lot. I'm grateful to do it. Um, and I shot it for free. You know, the next feature I shot, I was 24. I got paid $82 and 50 cents a day, mm -hmm. you know, to shoot a movie. And I was grateful for it. I was like, I'm, I'm being paid to be a DP. Um, I, yeah, I spent, you know, well over a decade just cranking away and, and gaining experience and meeting people and getting more experience and getting more experience and making a lot of mistakes until I feel like I finally got an opportunity to really, to actually step forward and go, okay, this is now I really have, I feel like I have a skill set where I can really show off what I can do and start to actually build a career with it. Um, I don't, um, yeah, I feel like in general, I know this is a long way to answer, but I feel like the advice most I'd give to people is, look, you have to really, if you're doing this because, you know, you want to be rich and famous, you're in the wrong line of work. <laughs> um, if you do it because, you know, if you do it because it's, you know, seems cool, um, it is cool. It's also a lot of hard work. Um, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of setbacks. It's a lot of sacrifice. If you do it because you love the work, you love the doing, 
Um, I think for me, that's always been the big thing is, is it's not about, oh, I shot this cool project associated with this cool movie. Um, isn't that cool? It's, it has to be about the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's about the work, if that's what you're focused on and you're passionate about um, and you stick to it and you're serious about it, it's, I think it's inevitable that anybody that is that loves what they're doing and makes it about the work and you stick to it, um, I think it is inevitable that you have to, eventually in time, you will have it, uh, you will build a successful career. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is not overnight. It is not a couple of years. Um, and it's, it's a lot of hard work. But again, you know, I'm like, if I can do it, I genuinely believe anybody else can. You know? No, that's great advice. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, so where can we see uh, Cruel Summer? Is it, it's on Hulu. Um, is that where we'll so, be able to see it? Uh, yeah, Cruel Summer is, it, um, it premieres on April 20th. Um, it'll play, uh, it'll first show on Freeform. And then the next day, uh, then it'll also play on Hulu the following day. Um, and I know in the future, some future date that I know about, um, it'll also all be available on Amazon, but only international. So, okay. you know, part of, part of the mini, you know, the way the world works these days is, you know, the show will premiere in Freeform. And then, you know, the next day will be on Hulu. And then months from now, it'll all be on Amazon only if you live overseas. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where the show is going to be. Cool. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to continue watching it, and um, definitely encourage other people to check it out as well. Uh, I guess one last thing: are you are you kind of yeah. on break right now, or are you working a hard at work? No, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm on a break. It's you know it's interesting because I was out of town for um, for five and a half months with Cruel Summer. Um, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah. I think this is also part of the, the kind of going back to you know, advice to people. Um, again, it's different for everybody. Um, almost everything I've done in the last seven or eight years has been outside of LA. So although I'm based in LA, um, I don't seem to ever really work here. You know, Chicago fire was, was five. I was on that show for five years. I was shot in Chicago. Uh, shortly after I left fire, you know, I ended up doing three features back to back that were also all out of town. Um, you know, worked on a TV show in Atlanta that was out of town. You know, it's like, uh, so for me, you know, I, as much as I like to work, uh, I also really value my downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when the show wrapped up, it was like, all right, I'm, you know, I got home about a week and a half ago. Um, and I'm currently, I'm looking at some different things coming up, uh, but nothing, I haven't signed on to anything yet. Uh, and that's fine. I'm very much enjoying being home, sleeping in my own bed. Um, you know, getting up late and having coffee at, you know, at 11 a.m. Yeah. Oh, that's, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, it's like, I'm, you know, that's how it is now. And, you know, I know that I get bored easily. So I know that, you know, give me another week or so. And yeah. I'll be like, okay. So I'm just, I'm going to sign into something and be off and running. So. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, well, Jason, thank you so much for um, chatting course. with me today. No, thank and I, you, man. I'd, I'd love to keep in contact and talk to you in the future about other projects here absolutely this is a lot of fun so likewise um yeah everybody so cruel summer comes out april 20th um jason crothers is the dp um very incredible work uh i love the show and i encourage like i said everyone to watch it um jason thank you so much for taking the time um to speak with me really appreciate it no thank you so much for inviting me this is great thank you so much okay um yeah we'll keep in touch i will talk to you soon absolutely thank you so much man it was was fun have a good one Thank you.